Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. My name is Leah Hollis, and I am pleased to be here today with Dr. Tara Blackshear from Townsend University. And she's joining us today for the podcast, Achieving Racial Equity in Health, Physical Activity, and Education. Good afternoon, Tara. How are you doing? Good afternoon, Leah. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Always a pleasure to speak with you. And, and knowing you as a colleague, I recognize that there are so few um, BIPOC folks who are in kinesiology. So I'm really thrilled to have you with us today. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you came to choose this research field? Well, I'm a native of Detroit, Michigan, um, born and raised in the city, not in the suburbs. Um, from there, I went to a historically black college or university, Florida A&M in Tallahassee, Florida for my undergraduate degree in health and physical education. And my mentors and professors encouraged me to stay there and earn my master's, which I did. Um, from there, I went to Atlanta, Georgia. I was married with a child and stayed home um, for a little bit before entering high school um, health and physical education in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, in total, I've taught 17 years in um, K-12 schools, mostly in high school, 10 years in the United States, three years as the health educator at Cairo American College in Egypt, and rounding out my 17 years, the last four in Bangkok, Thailand. And I repatriated to the United States in 2017, 2016 correction, and is where I started my tenure track journey at Towson University in the Department of Kinesiology. Great. Well, thank you. Wow. Well-traveled and quite an experience. So I understand you're one of the few Black women in kinesiology in the country. Why would you imagine this is the case? Well, I think in higher education across the board, there are few um, or not many Black women professors across in all disciplines. Um, I think that the legacy of slavery, Jim Crow, um, the fact that schools of higher learning weren't um, designed for Black people. Um, they weren't designed for women or Black people. Um, and so I think those um, structures and some of the pipelines or lack thereof are still in play. And so I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of representation, the lack of affirmation, the lack of awareness of opportunities in kinesiology fields. Um, and then it's just a vicious cycle that continues to repeat itself. So I, I don't think um, kinesiology is any different or more unique um, than any other fields, even fields that we think we um, or that were more represented, for example, education and social work. Um, when you get to the higher education ranks, um, especially tenure track and tenure positions, um, Black women are virtually non-existent um, across the nation. Mm -hmm. So then how can we increase the representation of Black women in kinesiology? Well, I think... Um, a lot of it starts with affirmation and awareness and opportunities of fields in kinesiology. Um, I, I wasn't even thinking about majoring in a kinesiology field or health and physical education, but my high school 
teacher who was not black, um, she was white. She said, you're going to be a good coach one day. And I hadn't even like, I don't know what she saw in me, but I didn't see that. And then when I arrived at FAMU, I'm like, well, what do I, what do I like? What am I into? And I said, well, I enjoy physical activity. Like I really enjoy physical activity. So the discipline wasn't even called kinesiology at the time. It was actually health and physical education and so, or physical education. And so at FAMU, I had the opportunity to see women who look like me. In fact, most of my undergraduate professors and graduate were black women with PhDs. And so I saw myself in them. They were encouraging um, and I could relate, they could relate to me. And so it was just, it was not, it was not um, unique um, to be around or surrounded by black women in health and physical education because it was a predominantly or is a predominantly black institution. And so I, I benefited by seeing myself um, in these women who um, I actually recently wrote a paper on black women in physical education and I'm still in contact with my professors at FAMU, most of whom have, whom have retired um, by now, but we're still in close contact. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. So why would you say we should value representation in kinesiology? What is the benefit to the Black community to have more of us studying this field? Well, I think, you know, a lot of the health disparity research, um, it's the same mantra of um, stereotypic, um, often stereotypic, interpretations of physical activity among Black people, in particular Black women. And I think the value is if young people see themselves doing something or recognize that there's an opportunity, it instills a belief that not only is this an option, but that I can achieve in this um, field as well. And I'll give you a, a good illustration um, popular illustration is when Venus and Serena Williams started um, tennis, their tennis career. And although there were other Black women tennis players like Althea Gibson, who was, who was a FAMU graduate, um, and um, Arthur Ashe, and, 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 and they laid some of the foundation, but it wasn't until Venus and Serena Williams um, entered the tennis stage and now some of these tournaments, um, most of the American women are black or, or women of color. Um, you have Sloane Stevens, you have Naomi Osaka, although she, she's an American and she plays under the Japanese flag. Um, she, her, her idol um, is Serena Williams. You have Coco Golf. Um, you have Madison Keys. So you have, you have all of these um, black and brown women entering a field that historically has been predominantly white. And so now people see themselves, little girls say, oh, I can, I can actually become a tennis player. And so I think the same is true in, the, in fields of kinesiology and other fields where um, underrepresented, um, where you have underrepresented groups. Mm -hmm. Great. Well, if we could switch gears a little bit, can you share with us some of your most researched topics? My most researched topics. Um, so my 
mission or goal or aim is equity for all. And I concentrate on racial equity and health, physical activity and education. And I like to look at or examine structures, um, um, physical structures, cultural structures, other barriers that impede um, Black, in particular, Black women and girls' health and physical activity outcomes. And a lot of these things are rooted in racism, um, to, to be frank. And what you typically see with, with research with, with Black groups or underserved groups or groups that appear to um, have disparate outcomes is the researchers, usually non-Black, they come in, they, they observe, and they, they gather data from black and brown groups, and then they go and report. And they, they really have a cultural disconnect. Um, and so one of my roles is to conduct research with, um, with and among black women to have a long lasting sustainable impact rather than going in and, you know, getting what I need and then leaving. And so my research is more about um, making changes and trying to explain and communicate to groups, not only why is physical activity important, but why is it important for Black women and Black girls? Um, And some of those things might be similar to a lot of the dominant research that's out there, but sometimes... um, um, you know, physical activity, for example, can be can can be used as a, a mechanism to reduce the effects of racism, right? And so that is very unique to groups who experience racism on a daily um, basis. And so, my research, I aim to make changes, structural changes, um, and not um, looking looking at those things that impact rather than. Um, placing personal blame on individuals and groups, which tends to be the narrative that follows Black girls and women with health, with health and physical activity. If you could, you expand just a little bit. Uh, you made a comment about exercise um, eases the impact of racism. Is, did I hear you correctly? Yes, it can be used as a coping mechanism for the stress response that occurs when um, people encounter. Um, racism, whether it's, you know, overt or covert, but there's a cortisol release or stress hormones that are, that are released when people um, encounter racist experiences. And so to try to help minimize um, some of those effects, physical activity can, can calm some of those systems um, down, right? It doesn't, it's not a cure, um, but it can help um, reduce some of the stress response that that um, occurs when involved in a racist attack. Yep. Hmm. Thank you for that. So if I can move on a little bit, um, could you share with us the critical health, physical activity, and physical education issues that are facing the Black community? Wow. Um, Big question, huh? <laughs> Yeah, because it's, you know, everything is related, right? It's not just one thing. Um, I think one of the issues is comes from an economic um, and all of those other things 
health, physical activity, education, all of those things have an economic connection. For example, in cities with predominantly black children, um, the you know, recreation centers are being closed. There, there's a lot of funding that is being moved away. There's less health classes in, um, you know, we like to use urban schools, but in, in schools that, um, you know, are in generally cities that contain high percentages of black and brown youth. Um, so you have rec- recreation centers and opportunities to engage are limited or you have to have money to have a membership, which is, you know, it takes money. You have these um, test scores um, that really don't measure intelligence and achievement, but, um, you know, schools, in order for them to get funding, they have to have a certain amount of test scores and so forth. So um, leadership who lack the knowledge of the benefits of physical activity on the brain, they reduce physical education in these schools to increase the academic rigor, uh, math, science, social studies, English. Um, so to, to ensure that students pass um, ass- assessment that's not even authentic um, of their learning. And so we start to actually rob students of um, things that actually could improve their um, academic outcomes. And then you just have the, the whole education system um, you know, we know that black students are, um, they're the recipients of more negative behaviors from teachers, um, discipline, the, the expectations are low. And so you just have all of these issues. Um, and then with the lack of accountability, um, the lack of voice. And so again, you still have, um, racial inequities underlying all of those things. And it's just a, you know, one one impacts the other and it just continues. Um, and so I think those are some of the, some of the um, critical issues in um, predominantly black communities. Wow. Well, could we uh, dovetail into the pandemic? So in, from your position, how has COVID-19 had an impact on how blacks engage physical activity and what recommendations would you have for the Black community to overcome such challenges? Well, COVID-19 has either um, caused folks to be more sedentary or inactive, or it has sparked um, an interest in creating a space at home for movement. Um, but I would say that that in many black spaces, um, that engagement um, tends to be lower than than other groups. And so we saw that COVID-19 kind of exploited or exacerbated or highlighted um, some of the um, physical activity um, or lack lack thereof um, that was already transpiring before COVID. And so I think some of these things um, they've, they've increased as a result of COVID-19. Um, recommendations. I think knowledge is essential. Um, you don't need a gym to work out. Um, you don't need an hour in the day to um, increase physical activity. You can actually um, get health benefits 
um, for small bouts of activity um, in a small space. And so I think the, the concept of physically having to go somewhere to um, engage in physical activity um, is, is just untrue. Um, where I am in Baltimore City, we have some beautiful parks um, and lakes all across the city. And so they're free. They have free workout um, equipment um, in this space. And this, and since they're around lakes, the, the running trails and walking trails are around lakes. It's just a, um, a nice, you know, peaceful, the scenery. And so exposing people to the opportunities within the community that are free and available um, and just and just trying to um, bring more awareness in these opportunities um, inside the home and outside the home. Well, I understand that you have a book coming out with uh, Dr. Culp from Kennesaw State. And could you tell us more about the project? I think you said it was on uh, race in physical education. So could you share about your book? Yes, it's called Critical Race Studies and Physical Education. It comes out March 16th um, with Human Kinetics, and which is a leading publisher in the kinesiology field. And Dr. Cope and I have another paper. We did some research on the physical education, teacher education standards to become educators. And from based on our, our research, we highlight how they are rooted in whiteness um, because the developers are all white um, and they're creating or designing um, standards for teacher educators and PEAT, uh, physical education, teacher education, who are predominantly white. But then we're sending them out to schools um, that have high concentrations of black and brown um, students. And so there's a, a disconnect. And so what we did is we looked at the, the, the standard writers. We looked at um, the lack of um, social justice language and action within those. And so we created um, a new set of standards specifically to help black children be successful. Um, and there's no, there's no other standards across any domain that does what we do. And so from that project, Dr. Cope and I, you know, we've been, you know, looking at in the literature and we both were presented with opportunities to um, write articles and then books and so forth. And so I said, look, we both had a book idea and we went back and forth and that's how, that's kind of how that's the impetus behind this particular book, which we have some visiting authors on this book. Um, Tiffany Monique Quash, um, Dr. Tiffany Monique Quash, um, Dr. Angela Bill Tafik. She's not too far from Rucker. She's at Rowan. Um, my sons contributed Aki and Afi Blackshear. Um, of course, Dr. Brian Cope. Um, Yvonne, I can't think of um, Yvette. I can't think of Yvette's last name. And I feel like, oh, and Dr. Cara Grant. And so this book is designed for students in teacher education programs and also for professional development for practicing teachers. And it's um, 
addressing their case studies, eight case studies, and they are addressing the lives of diverse lives of Black youth in, in educational settings, um, all inspired by real events. And it's really to expose folks to the humanity of Black children, um, the joy that Black children bring, um, the, the joy that can be home based on um, teacher practice, teacher beliefs, um, and expectations of our, our children. And so it is the only book that is dealing only with and about Black children. Um, and we, we have some roadblocks along the way. Um, we have an associate publisher, Shape America. <clears throat> and um, when they sent, when we sent it out to the initial review, there was a little pushback on, oh, should we inc- include other groups of color? And we said, no, we're centering Black people. Um, the legacy of slavery for um, Black folks in America and our unique experience is very different than someone of another group. Although this book, including our standards in the paper, will benefit all groups. Because what happens is when you elevate and see that Black people can make it, um, despite all of the isms and, and roadblocks, then it 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 transfers into other groups where, okay, they, they could do it, I can do it too. And so then... Um, Thomas Lawson of Shape America, he's fantastic. He, he's pro-social justice. He supported us. He was committed to the mission. Um, he went to a different publisher initially, and they told him, no, they had the same feedback. They said, oh, if you can inf- include, you know, Hispanic children, you know, and we said, that's not what this book is about. Like, we're centering Black people. And so he was very committed, and so he... He was a truly an advocate and a true ally. And he went to Human Kinetics, as I mentioned before. And Scott understood the importance of this book and said, I'm, I'm committed to social justice and we're going to do this. And so we are committed to improving the well-being and prosperity for Black children. And so this this book is um it's it i think it's, it's it needs to be had and i do want to mention that this book was in the works long before critical race theory was um such a contentious topic or in the um national discourse or international discourse so um it just happened and that our book um was named Critical Race Studies, which was really a play on critical case studies. It's a case study book. And so it was really a play on that when um, coming up with the title. Great. And can you give us the title again and when it's released? Critical Race Studies and Physical Education. It is released. The release date is March 16th. Great. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Anything else? For the good of the order, Dr. Blackshear, with what's on uh, deck for you moving forward in your studies? Well, I've had the opportunity. I'm, I've been invited by um, PHE Canada to deliver the keynote address for their research council. Um, 
specifically dealing with race, um, putting racism on the agenda, um, a global pandemic and and PHE is the title. And then ICEP, which is an international um, physical health and physical education um, organization. I'll be delivering the keynote there as well in Queensland, Australia. And so um, from the from the work that I've been doing um, independently and then from the work that um, Dr. Cope and I have been doing, um, he's he's got some keynotes and speaking engagements as well this year. So I think um, some of the fruits of our labor um, are manifesting themselves this year. Wonderful. Well, congratulations on all the wonderful work that you're doing. Um, I would like to thank our audience for tuning in to hear Dr. Tara Blackshear and the wonderful things she's doing in kinesiology. And in close, I'll say I'm Leah Hollis, and thank you again for joining us for Varying Viewpoints. Thank you for the opportunity. I truly appreciate it.